God is good, y'all. And every time we come to get in the word, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Look to somebody near you and say, are you ready? You need to be ready to get in the word of God because uh, you hear me say this all the time, hopefully. If this is the first time, if you've been here a while and this is the first time you hear me say this, then what I'm about to say is evidence that you're not listening. Okay, nothing affects you beyond the value that you assign to it. You determine the value of every word, phrase, relationship, circumstance, event that happens in your life. You determine the value of it. So when you come and, and, and you approach the word of God, I want you to be ready. I want you to be excited. I want you to have a heart, a heart that says, God, I want to receive from your word. I want to grow. I want to, I want to be able to increase and I want to grow in, in my ability to hear you and to, to just grow in your word. And, and so um, I want to start today in Proverbs 11 because uh, I, I just finished like this sermon series about the five things that God's blessed you to do. We talked about being and doing and all that kind of stuff. You can go watch those, those videos online. And, and one of the main things about God being able to bless somebody, remember, he's blessed you to be a blessing. Be a blessing. Very good. He's blessed you to be a blessing. So in Christ and because of Christ, you're a pretty big deal. Why don't you give knuckles to the person next to you and say, you're a pretty big deal. Because of Christ, without Christ, you're a bad deal. In Christ, you're a pretty big deal because you're a kingdom agent. See, you were, before Christ, when we were in sin, before, we, before I came into a relationship with Christ, I was an agent of darkness. I was an agent of the curse. And the enemy used my life to destroy other people's lives. I destroyed my life and other people's life. And and so when I come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I become an agent of his blessing. He blesses me to be a blessing. And, and, and it's so cool that it, it, I, it never gets old to me. And that's why I love like kind of looking out and seeing all the different stories in this room, every, every name and every family. There's all these different stories of what God has saved you from and what God has saved you for and what God's walking, walking you through right now. Anybody, anybody's God with you as you walk through something right now? Anybody's God with you with that? Yeah. So the story that you, you were this and now you are this and this is what he's doing in you. It's just really cool to, to watch that and watch, watch God at work. So you're an agent of God's blessing as a disciple of Christ. And I think of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 11 and just look down to verse 11 real quick. Proverbs 11, 11. Um, and it says, by the blessing of the upright or the righteous, by the blessing of the righteous, the city is exalted. So uh, everybody say city. city. So the person is supposed to affect the city. Amen. God has blessed you, an individual, to be a blessing. So you affect the city. I recognize a city affects you. I understand a city can affect you. But in Christ, you can affect a city. In Christ, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So I know all kinds of stuff are happening, but in Christ, you can affect a city. And then 
And if you have a Bible, you can write in next to Proverbs 11, 11, just put a little, write it however you want. You know, I, I do this in my Bible and now I look at it and it's like almost mass confusion. It's like a coloring book gone south is what my, my Bible looks like sometimes with all the stuff I write in it. But write down Psalm 33, 12, Psalm 33, 12, and then look over at Psalm 33, 12. We're going to be in our Bible a little bit this morning. hope that's okay. A Bible in your lap will help bring the word of God to your life. Psalm 33. God's blessed you to be a blessing, not only for you and your family, but for your, the city in which you live. You know that God strategically has you in a certain city? And you may say, oh, it doesn't matter where I live. Not from God's perspective. He plants you. He plants you. So Psalm 33, verse 12. Now this is the, all about the blessing of the Lord. The Lord has blessed you to be a blessing. And then by the blessing of the righteous, the city is um, exalted. And look at Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people that he has chosen as his inheritance. So we're talking about the blessing of God on a person should actually overflow to the blessing of God in the city. And the blessing of God in the city should overflow to the blessing of God upon a nation. Do you realize it matters what nation you're in? It matters what, na it matters, it matters what household you're in. It matters what city you're in. It matters what nation you're in. You know, it, it matters. It matters what household you're in. It matters what job you're in. It matters what church you're in. It matters what school that you are in. It matters what city you are in. It matters the neighborhood that you're in within that city. And it matters what nation you're in. And that you may think you're insignificant. You may think you don't have much to offer. You may think, well, I'm not that big a deal. But you are a part of something bigger than you. And in our world right now, there are a lot of things that are even dividing the people of God. But what unites us is greater than what divides us. And the blessing of the Lord... The blessing of the Lord, not the blessing of a lower reality like the blessing of money or the blessing of, of peace or the blessing, uh, you know, all those things can, you know, money is an is a outflow of the blessing of the Lord because the Bible says in Proverbs 10, that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow to it. But just because you have money doesn't mean you're blessed. So the blessing of the Lord can produce money in your life but just because you have money doesn't mean money by itself is not a blessing. Having peace by itself, like the absence of, of anxiety by itself is not a blessing. You can have peace, but not have the peace of the Lord. So when I'm talking about the blessing, I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. See, sometimes we want to use the Lord to get what we really want, which is money or peace or something else. 
But I'm talking about people who are like, no, I want the Lord. Because if I have money without the Lord, I don't want the money. I only want, I only want what the Lord has for me. Because if I have the Lord with the money, now, now he's going to use me as a distributor to be a, to be a part of his will to begin to use money as a tool to empower and love people. And that's where the blessing of the Lord really shines. So I just want you to know that in Christ, you're a big deal. And it does all matter. It does all matter. But this morning, I want to dial into something. And if you look over in uh, 1 Timothy, make a big right all the way over to 1 Timothy in the New Testament. I want to show you a couple things this morning about, about how to be a godly example. And really off the heels of the blessing of the Lord, I want you to just see about how to be a godly example. Some things that he's speaking uh, to me about, reminding me of. And I want to just remind you about it. So look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in like verse, we'll start in verse 12. Oh, do you hear that? Bible pages turning. That sounds so cool. I just love that. Love that. So 1 Timothy, if you need help, just ask your neighbor to help you get there. 1 Timothy uh, and if you, if you do that and your neighbor like pulls you to Genesis or Revelation, you need to find another seat because you have a bad neighbor. <laughs> They're just messing with you. Uh, so 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, look at verse, starting at verse 12. I just want to read through this. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example. Everybody say, be an example. Be an example. Listen, you have an opinion, but your opinion ain't going to change anybody. Your example will. You say, well, I'm right. Well, it's not about being right. It's about being effective. So be an example to the believers. Okay, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to say this and I'm going to go back to just reading it because I will never get through it if I don't just read it. But a lot of focus has been talked about being an example to unbelievers. And that's really important. But he's talking about being an example to believers. And I believe if we're the right example to one another, then, then the, our example to the world is already taken care of. But sometimes in church, you come in, sometimes churches, they, they take, they, they misprioritize things. And so you come into the house of God and you, you become a believer, but suddenly the attention and focus is, is way to the side on the unbelievers. And I've heard pastors and churches say this, that, that we're, we don't exist for you. Like as, as Christians, we don't exist for you. We exist for those who aren't here yet. And it sounds really wonderful. Like we exist for the lost. And that's, that's, that's a, a, a purpose uh, in the wrong priority. Because we're here for you. We're here to raise up the, the disciples of God. I don't want to go to a church that the first time I go, I'm important. The second time I go, I'm not important. Because I don't need to grow like I've been saved, but I don't need to mature. I've been saved, but I don't need to grow. I don't need to, to be developed. And No, we, we need to develop and raise up the disciples of Christ so that they can be salt and light out in their world. And, and so the, the, the example, I just want you to take note of this, underline this little phrase or something to the believers. Because if, if you are living with a passion and a commitment to be a godly example, not only to, to those close to you in your household, 
But, but to other believers, if that's, if, if that's in your mind and if that's a filter in your heart, I want to be a godly example for the other believers, then how my life looks to the lost is going to be okay. And so uh, he, he goes on and says to the believers in word, in conduct, meaning my behavior, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading and to exhortation and to doctrine. And do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all, believers and unbelievers. And verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It's a godly example. It's a godly example. The most powerful thing you can give your family is a godly example. Most, most powerful thing you can give your family is a godly example will outlive your life. Rick Clendenin gave us a godly example. He's in heaven right now, probably trying to find a Dollar General store somewhere. But his godly example outlived his life. So we still are feeding from his godly example, even though he's not here. And that's what you want to be for your family. You want to, you want to have that, that godly example. But notice what he, what he says, give attention, give attention to reading, give attention to reading. What do you think he's talking about reading here? Scripture. So I'm going to do something. Let me, I just, this is, I just thought of this. I'm going to do something. <laughs> and those of you who are new to Faith Center, what that means is, oh no. <laughs> so I'm opening up my Facebook. Anybody, have y'all ever heard of this thing called Facebook? It's an app for those who don't know. It's an app. It's on your phone. Most people have it on your phone. So, and there's all kinds of stuff you can do on Facebook. But, you know, some things steal your attention. Some things steal your attention, and I've got to figure out how to get back to this thing. <sighs> Siri, not now. I don't really care. <laughs> okay, so if you just hold down on your app, like, <gasps> wait, there's an X. Let's see what the, if you turn the X the right way, it's a cross. <laughs> Let's see what happens Delete Facebook, question mark. Almost like, you sure you want to do this? Yes. Instagram, <gasps> X, cross. Are you sure you want to delete Instagram? Yes. What's stealing your attention? What's robbing you of your full awareness and ability to read what he wants you to read? I would submit to you that your example is being contaminated 
by the things that so easily distract us. Pastor, I'm changing the world through Facebook. And you're making it not a better place. But I'm right. I'm right. Well, you can be right if you want to. I'm trying to help you become effective. And a better thing to do. Now, now look, I'm not totally insane. Everyone watching at home thinking our pastor has lost his mind. Not totally. I still got Facebook on my laptop. I ain't crazy. <laughs> but it's easier to limit my time on my laptop or on my desktop than it is to be sitting here in a service. Here's what some of y'all do to me. What if I did to you what some of y'all do to me during a sermon? What if, what if I, here, here's what some of y'all do during a sermon. What if I just did that? To you, you wouldn't be going to church here much longer. I'm going to tell you this right now, too. If you're sitting in service and this is what you're doing, you won't be in church much longer either. And so being wise, having discernment, I mean, let's not lose our mind. We don't have to get off Facebook totally. But if we limit it to, our, to areas where we can have better boundaries and, and understand some things, then, then all of a sudden what, what, what ends up happening is, is we were, we're better stewards of our time and our focus. And I dare everyone in this room to go watch the, the Netflix documentary called Social Dilemma. Go watch it. Half the reason I just deleted that off my phone is because I watched that documentary. And we're also easily influenced by stuff. And we think, oh, you look at your Facebook feed, oh, the Holy Spirit brought that on my screen. He showed me this because he's confirming me. No, it's that AI algorithm that's feeding into everything. And, and you think, wow, you think the whole world's seeing what you're seeing. And they're not. You're seeing what you're seeing. And so what, what needs to happen is we're not going to be effective at making disciples lost in a screen trying to reach the whole world at once. What we need to do is get off the screen and the passion and the integrity that you have for the kingdom of God is you got to start reading the word. And when you get in the word, here's a crazy idea. Get off the screen and get away from trying to reach everybody or having some conversation to, to somebody on Facebook that turns into an argument, but you're saying, I'm right. And you're going, instead of that, why don't you just come down and get the word, get in the word. And instead of, instead of using that energy to save everybody or redeem the whole world and let your opinion try to do something, which is usually not going to be something good, come down here and disciple somebody. Come down here and get in the word. And come down here and be one-on-one -on -one in the word with somebody. Let that focus and that passion be aimed at discipleship. Well, they got to know the truth. They got to know the truth. Yeah, they do got to know the truth. And the way for them to know the truth, biblically speaking, is in relationship. Where you've earned the right to correct them and say, listen, that's dumb. Stop doing that. But when you say that's dumb on Facebook, stop doing that, you got World War III happening. And then worse, worse than anything is you got unbelievers watching believers saying, that's dumb, you're dumb, no, you're dumb. And then quoting chapter and verse behind it. 
And the world is like, I don't want that. But pastor, I'm right. You might be, but you're ineffective. But if you bring down to discipleship, then every person will influence a city <laughs> without Facebook. If you took half the time you've been on Facebook, took half the time you've been on Facebook, and put that towards one-on-one -on -one discipling relationships, this city would be a different place. The city would be a different place. So I'm, I'm telling you what I feel like he's telling me. Give attention to reading. Give attention to exhortation. Exhortation is like an encouraging word. It's to, and the, the exhortation comes out of what is written. written. See, we, we read. Reading is feeding. I read the word of God. Uh, what I try to tell people is read the word of God every day. Study it a few times a week. The difference between reading and studying is studying is where you're sitting down asking questions and unpacking this thing. But you want to read the word of God every day and study it a couple times a week and then try to study it with other people where you can exhort one another. Like, what are you seeing, man? I want to hear. And then if he starts talking about a bunch of crazy stuff, you know, all right, maybe you need to read that again. But through relationship, you begin to exhort one another what God is showing you, but you have the, the scripture as a foundation so you don't get off into goofy stuff. And, and then it, it talks about doctrine. And, and let me just show you another verse real quick. Um, we're, I don't know if we'll come back to this or not, but go, go to, oh, Lord Jesus, where is it at? It's in Timothy. Go to um, 2 Timothy Three. Yeah, 2 Timothy, there it is right there, 2 Timothy 3. I don't know how your Bible is, but sometimes I know by chapter and verse, like 2 Timothy chapter 3, and other times I know it's like towards the right side of my book, and it's highlighted, it has a circle and a star by it. <laughs> so I, I do that kind of stuff. It's, it's my hieroglyphic, hiero... yes, praise the Lord. So look at what he says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is in context, this is the context of the world, basically, if you start in 3 verse 1, the world losing their mind in the end times, going nuts. And here's, what, here's how we focus, I'm not going to read all that, because you, you've seen that. Verse 10, but you, but you, but you have followed, have carefully followed my doctrine my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, uh, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me. Yes, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So what he's saying is my doctrine, my doctrine. See, doctrine is not a, doctrine is not a theory. If your doctrine is a theory, you have a dangerous doctrine. Paul is saying the doctrine, the word that has become flesh in my life, how I, how I hear, understand, and obey, and the word becomes flesh in my life because it's proven and it's tested. So you've seen, you've seen my faith. You've seen my, my, my uh, 
my faith and the, the peace and the godliness, Paul's saying, you've seen it in me. I know what you're seeing in the world. I know what you're seeing in them, but here's what you've seen in me. But so you, you continue in following my doctrine. Follow, what he's saying is follow my inspired example. Follow my obedient example. Follow me as I follow Christ. Stop trying to be right and let's start being effective. Follow my doctrine because I'm a person who's committed to hearing and understanding and obeying the word of God. And it's important to me to, to follow Christ. And as I do that, the greatest power I have, the greatest power I have, listen to me, the greatest power I have is not standing in this pulpit. The greatest power I have is the lives I get to come down here and be with. Amen. And I'm going to say something that, that I don't know. I don't, some of y'all might be thrilled about this. Some of y'all might be praying for this. And some of you might be petrified by this. I don't have any plans, so don't read anything into this. I have zero plans. I have zero plans about, about the, what I'm about to say next. But you need to get this. John Aiken may not always stand in this pulpit. And if your relationship with God fails... Because John Aiken doesn't stand in this pulpit, you have a faulty relationship with God. John Aiken may not always stand in this pulpit, but as long as John Aiken's breathing, he'll always be making disciples. Teaching people to give attention to reading. What are you reading? What are you hearing? What's God saying to you? Oh, I, ain't re I was waiting till Sunday, man. Figured you'd tell me. don't work like that. It don't work like that. I can't. I really don't like reading. You read a lot on Facebook. First thing you got to do, if you want to be a godly example, give attention to reading. And then out of that reading, be in relationship and disciple-making relationships with other people that you can begin to exhort one another. What are you, what are you hearing? And you begin to feed off one another. And encourage one another. And then that encouragement that comes out of that reading ends up being released in your life as a doctrine, as a way of life, as a lifestyle. The word changes you. It's, it's transformation. It's, it's the word becoming flesh in your life. It's like, it's like how, does, how does, remember last week, and, and it's so funny how everyone got steak last week. Remember last week? I talked about steak, and I, I said, you get, take it from the freezer, and you, you put it on the grill, you know, and suddenly some of y'all are like, man, I just like this church. <laughs> that you take what's written into what's living, and it changes things. And when you start changing, people will change around you. When you start changing and you, you, act, you start actually living differently, your transformation starts happening. The people who are, who are comfortable with the way you were will start rising up like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, who you think you are? Because their world's changing because you're changing. And if you don't, if you don't understand this, then the, they'll put pressure on you because they want to stay in their dysfunctional comfort zone. And then you'll let, you'll let their word 
matter more than God's word and you'll sabotage the transformation that God's bringing in your life because you end up pleasing them instead of pleasing God. And what needs to happen is I'm really sorry for that. Praise the Lord. Like, I pray Jesus helps you work out that problem. Here's, but my focus is this. I'm going to have to obey God. And, and we become readers who are feeders on the word of God, exhorting one another to, to where it comes out to obedience in our life. It comes out to a doctrine in our life that we're a godly example. And as we have that godly example, then we can move to the second thing. And the second thing is do not neglect the gift that is in you. That gift is that, that, that the, the spiritual gifting of the Lord, the, the grace of God in action, the gifts that, that he says was given to you through prophetically laying hands on you and speaking into you. It's an impartation of gifting that comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the person. It comes from, but the Lord moves upon a person that is operating in a gift to come over to, to and I just keep picking on Dickie this morning, to come over and I'm not giving that gift to Dickie. I'm not giving it to him. The Lord is giving it to him. The Lord is the one activating things in him. But I am just, just like somebody comes and preaches the gospel, I'm not necessarily giving them the gospel. It's the gospel of the Lord that's coming through me to him. But it's the Lord offering salvation to him. It's not me offering salvation. So the same thing is true when, when you're imparting spiritual gifts. I'm not giving him something from me. I'm giving him something from the Lord. But it's through me. And so Paul's saying, I laid hands on you and spoke prophetically over you. So we know he's not talking about salvation because nobody gets saved by you going to lay hands on them and just be, you're saved, be saved. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. That's salvation. So, so the first part is, is we need to read and, and, and let that reading uh, come out in relational exhortation and let that exhortation come out to a lifestyle of doctrine that other people can say, oh, that's what it looks like. See, there's so many things in today's world you can learn from a YouTube video. I'm not a painter, but I play one at my house sometimes because I watch a YouTube video. There is a, a pipe, the, the outside faucet. I don't even know what you call it, the outside faucet, where you hook the hose up to it. Well, I don't even know what you call it, but. Okay, y'all called it, y'all don't know what to call it. There's five different things I've heard, so uh, whatever you call it, it kept leaking. A water bill's going up. And I just for months would look at that thing. Man, I, I, you know, I'd speak to it, I'd do it, and nothing happened. And so finally, fin and I was like about to pay big money to have plumbers come in and just redo all the, you know, <laughs> piping to fix the one little leak. And I know some of you are like, Pastor, how can you be so smart in the word and so not smart in other? Anyways, the, and so I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll watch a YouTube video. So I'll watch a YouTube video. Funny thing is, there's a little gasket. All you got to turn off the water, do this little thing, a little gasket. So a YouTube video can help in a number of different areas, but let me tell you where a YouTube video can help. A YouTube video won't replace me sitting down with somebody making a disciple. You can watch YouTube videos about how to make disciples all day long, but until you do it, 
It's not going to help you. And so when you move to the second thing about do not neglect the gift of God within you. There's one more scripture I want to show you that has that in mind, and it's, and it's in 2 Timothy. Just make a little left from where, where you were in, in chapter 3 and go to 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And and this is just incredible stuff to me. I'm, I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then I'll, and I'll tell you about it. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Paul saying this to young Timothy, a son in the faith to him. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So Paul is in prison, and he's writing to his son Timothy, and the church is discouraged, and, and they're struggling because their leader is going through some really difficult circumstances. And Paul is saying, you got your focus in the wrong place. You got, by a spirit of remembrance, I remember what God put in your grandmama. I remember what God put in your mama, and I'm telling you, boy, it's in you. And it's genuine faith. I'm telling you, what, is, what does the church need to have in, in the world that we face right now, in the world that we are called to reach right now? You may not like the world that you have, but it's the world that we have, and it's the world that we're called to reach. And what does the church need right now is a genuine faith. A genuine faith. And Paul is saying, listen, it was in your grandmama, it's in your mama, and I'm telling you it's in you. And he said, I'm, I'm reminding you. And then he, he says this. He says, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. He's not talking about the gift of salvation. He's talking about the ability and the empowerment of God. He's saying, I've given you the gift of leadership. I've given you the gift of prophecy. I've given you the gift of a number of different gifts, you could say. But I've, I've given you these gifts, and instead of worrying and shrinking back, oh my gosh, look at Paul's in prison. What's going to happen? It's, it's not going good. That's like a football player on offense watching the defense come against them and being like, Coach, Coach, I caught the ball and they're coming. Coach, Coach, what am I supposed to do? Shrinking back. Offense does not shrink back. Offense does not wildly run forward with no wisdom. Offense listens to the coach, follows the play, and walks out their ability to make the touchdown. And what Paul is saying to Timothy, who is backing up because of all the enemy's attacks and all that's happening, is like, man, I thought, I thought Paul, I, I didn't think it was going to be like this. I didn't think walking with Jesus was going to be this hard and this difficult. Everyone's turning against me and my, 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 you know, the one who's mentored me is now in prison and I might be in prison next. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. Stir it up. Stir it up. What has God empowered you to do? What has he gifted you to do? I'm telling you, 
You want to be in the word of God, to walk in obedience to the word of God, be be a reader who's a feeder, who comes out in obedience in your lifestyle, and you want to walk in the power and the gifting of God, the gifting of the Holy Spirit within you. So that, so that the city can be changed because you're there. The nation can be changed because you're there. Because the gifting of God that he's given you strategically needs to be released following his wisdom in obedience to his word. So fan into flame the gifting of God. I sat right here, uh, actually right there on a Tuesday night, a prayer night a few couple weeks ago, and I felt like the Lord gave this verse to me. To me. Saying, fan into flame the gifting that I've given you. Focus in and stir that thing up. Rekindle. Everyone's talking about revival, and I, I, I believe for revival. But as an aspect of that, there's a rekindling. There's a rekindling of that holy flame, of that holy calling in my life. That God, whatever you have gifted me to do, I don't want to do anything you haven't gifted me to do. But whatever you've gifted me to do, you've gifted it to me for a reason. And I look back over my life, I remember the men like Rick Clendenin and, and Dale Yurton and Jack Hayford and Larry Jackson and Don Young and different people at different times have laid hands on me and prayed over me and spoken over me and prophesied to me and, and released gifting and awakened gifting inside of me. And I, and I begin to go back as a way of reminder to those things because sometimes your present circumstances will cause you to forget what God has empowered you to do. And so I've been reminded of these things. And the outcome is he hasn't given me a spirit of fear. What he gave me when he had these men coming to these men and, and Sergeant Booth, these men and women coming to my life to, to impart things to me, what they gave me through Christ and in Christ was not a spirit of fear. And that word fear is cowardice, it's, it's timidity, it's, it's offense end up going backwards like, oh my, I'm, I'm intimidated. No, no, we're not intimidated. We may face persecution. We may face struggle. But I want to be obedient to the word of God in persecution. Like just because you're being persecuted doesn't give you a right to say, hold up, wait a minute. This is not fair. That in the middle of persecution, we still need to be obedient. In the middle of persecution, we still need to rekindle the gifting of God within us. Give attention to it and meditate on it. And Lord, I just, and for me, it's Thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you that you've, you've had these men in my life at these different times that recognize things and confirm things and affirm things in me. And I didn't know then how much I would need it now. But Lord, I remember then to, to fan into flame and through, through a spirit of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you. Thank you for having that time. Thank you for having that word. Thank you for having those people in my life stirring. God, I thank you that you have gifted me. I, I thank you. I'm not reaching out to grab hold of something that Jesus doesn't want me to have. I'm, I'm focusing on what Jesus has given me. And that he's given me not through Facebook but he's given me through relationships with people that had the ability to walk in relationship with me and they know me, they know me, and they get to a point where after knowing me, they, they begin to, to speak. And people think it's so cool now in the church, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, don't misunderstand me, but sometimes there's an over-focus, a hyper-focus of like when a preacher or a, a prophet or somebody calls somebody out that they don't know in the crowd, and they says, Bob! God's called you to be Bob. 
And Bob's like, me? Oh, and there's so much low self-esteem in Bob that, that oh, we think, oh, that's so cool. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you what's even better than that. When you know Bob. And you're like, and God's speaking to you about Bob. And you're like, God, Bob? God, I know Bob. I think you might want to say somebody other than Bob. But when you know who they are according to the flesh, but you still have the ability to believe God to speak to who they are according to the spirit, that's a prophetic word. That's the kind of stuff that I want to see happen to fan into flame. Look, I know how messed up you are, but I still believe God is saying this. It's almost like I know what I'm about to say seems illogical, but God's wisdom is sometimes illogical. And I'm going to speak this over you. And then we have the relationship that I can come along with you and say, how are you unpacking that word? How are you walking in that gift? In, instead of somebody that I don't know, some apostle, some prophet that I don't know, called me out and said something. And now I'm thinking, oh, it's presto magic. They said this, and now it's just going to happen automatically. No, you got to steward through obedience the word of the Lord in your life. You have to steward through obedience the word of the, of the Lord in your life. And that's why the relationships are so important. But now we get on Facebook, we're destroying one another. And I believe part of what God wants to do is not only get us into the word to, to be focused on his word like never before, but to fan and to flame these gifts. You know that the Lord has gifted you, wants to continue to gift you, and you might not be walking in all the gifting. That matter of fact, you're not walking in all the gifting that he has for you right now at this point. There's more. There's more. There's more that, you know, I've never done, I've never done this or that before. God wants to do more in you. And we need to, through discipling relationships, encourage one another to, to walk this stuff out, that, we're, that we have courage to speak a word over somebody that's releasing an impartation. That's what I believe with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not salvation, but it's, it's, it's releasing the power of God. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They had already been born again when he spoke that to them. So releasing power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, those three things right there, power, that miracle-working power of God through our life, that we're not jaded by our experiences. Our faith is not robbed from us because of the things that we've, the negative things that we've experienced. That our experiences never rob us of our faith that comes from the word of God. I believe God's a healer. I've seen plenty of people who we've prayed for to be healed that were not healed. But I still believe God's a healer. Why? Because his word has not changed. He is who he said he is. I've preached the gospel to plenty of people who did not get born again. But I still believe he's a savior. Why? Because that's who his word says he is. And I'm going to preach his word. And the things that I can't measure up or line up by experience, I'm going to leave that to God to figure out. And we fan into flame with one another the power of God. The love of God. 
and a sound mind, which means we don't have to be goofy when we do it. A sound mind. You know what the, what the world needs to see in the church right now? Is a sound mind. A sound mind. So here's what I want to do. Worship team, I want you to come on up. And here's how I want to do this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'll do it by faith. You do it by faith and we'll see what happens. I want to begin our worship time. By the way, people ask me, every week people ask me this. So I, it's, and it's funny because I'm the one that says it every week. So people say, what about giving? Um, I say this because as soon as I go to the next level, the next thing, I'm going to totally forget about this. If you, for giving tithes and offerings, you can give online or by each door. When you walk out each main door, there's a slot. It's a giving station. And you can just, you can just give. You can give. And if you really have faith, take somebody else's wallet and give. <laughs> That's just helping them out. Uh, and here's what I want to do. I don't know what it's going to look like. There's nothing more special about my hands than anybody else's hands. I believe in the kingdom of God, everybody gets to play. We encourage one another. We stir up one another. But as your pastor, I want to get my hands on you. If... You want my hands on you (laughs) to pray, to stir up that gifting of God. If you are unwilling to get into the word of God, and if you're unwilling to have a commitment to be obedient to God, do not even come up for prayer. If you are unwilling to make a commitment to be in the word of God, And to start growing, not being perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. But if you're unwilling to say, you know what? I do want to, I do want to grow in, in my reading of the word and, and being in the word and growing in the word, obeying God. If if, if that's your heart, then I want you, and, and you also want to be, have your pastor and prayer team members and elders come pray and just have some time of prayer as we worship. We'll pray over you and see what God does. But if you're like, I want a magic spell for you to pray over me, Pastor John, so I don't have to do the disciplines of discipleship and I don't have to be in the word, but you could just fix all my problems with that little hand thing that you do and speak a little bit in tongues and make it sound really cool. Then don't come up. Don't come up. But if you're here and you're like, man, I want to be an example. I want to be an example. Maybe I feel stuck. Maybe I'm weary. Maybe I've been distracted. Maybe I, whatever, and I needed this reminder. I needed this reminder of what God's called me to do. That he strategically placed me in this family and placed me in this church and placed me in this city and placed me in this nation. And I want to make a fresh commitment to reading and feeding on the word of God. And for some of you, and I know I was a little bit joking around with it earlier, but some of you, you need to do exactly what I did. Delete your Facebook. Delete your social media account. 
to, to empower you to have time to be a better disciple. And then I want to have a time of as we worship, just praying, just praying. So I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if just it, it, I don't know if anyone's going to come or if it's everyone's going to come. I don't care how it's going to work, but I want you to be praying with us. So don't just stand in line waiting for the man of God to lay hands on you. I want you praying for one another too. As you're as you're up front near an altar, I want you seeking the Lord. I don't want you waiting in line to have the, the man of God touch you. I want you to be worshiping and I want you to be seeking the Lord. I want you to be repenting of whatever it is you need to be repenting from and let the Lord just begin to move into your life. And if there's anybody here that you say, Pastor John, I've never given my life to the Lord. I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Like, like if we were to die right now and all of us go to be with, like, you don't know if you'd go. I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, when you come up to anybody that's going to, matter of fact, altar team, go ahead and come up here. Uh, if, as you come up, I want you to tell them, I don't have a relationship with Jesus and we'll help you. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make my way. I'm going to make my way through to everybody and lay hands on you. It might be five seconds. It might be five minutes. And if there's a bunch of sin in your life, it might be 10 minutes. <laughs> that was a joke just want to pray for you. And I want you praying for one another. I want you praying for one another as we seek the Lord. So if anybody who, who wants to receive that prayer to be, you're saying in your heart, I freshly commit myself to being a reader and feeder of the word to give my attention to this. And I want to fan into flame the gifting that's within me. Then I want you to come seek the Lord and come receive prayer as we worship him. Father, in Jesus' name, help us. Our heart is to obey you. Our heart is to represent you well, God. Our heart is to be faithful in the city that you've planted us in, God. Be faithful with the calling upon our life. Be faithful with the gifts that you've given us, God. And so we ask you, God, by your spirit, to stir up and rekindle these gifts, that the church would be an offense and no longer defense. That we would walk in the power and the spirit of, of just your power, your miraculous power, your love, and a sound mind, God. So help us as we worship you and speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen.